In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda under www.cinda.org, but we don't just bring you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. We have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations, what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues, such as gender balance, business values, and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we are on every major podcast platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify. You can find us all over the net. Just look up Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America Business Channel. And also drop me a note, send me an email, and tell me what you want to hear on this show. But one thing, if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week, and we'll make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to today's episode. Merchants and acquisitions are the acts of consolidating companies or assets with an eye towards stimulating growth, gaining competitive advantages, and increasing market share or influencing supply chains. They're most common in, in, in sectors such as healthcare, technology, financial services, and retail. Now, these transactions strengthen the economy and improve products and services and improve efficiencies. But they're also controlled. In the U.S., the Federal Trade Commission, Department of Justice, and in the EU, the EU Commission, try to control any kind of acquisitions or mergers that may believe are to be harming customers. But there's a sunny side to them, especially for startups wanting to exit. There's also a gray side for small and medium-sized businesses that find it challenging to compete in the marketplace with a handful of large players. But market dominance also brings advantages and disadvantages to consumers and companies, but mostly advantages. But in general, they keep the market dynamic and private equity and other financial institutions play a critical role. In this episode, we're going to discuss the role they play and the factors that can make these transactions successful. And our guest is an expert in this area. Our guest today is Theodore Clark, a businessman, entrepreneur, investor with over 40 years of experience as a senior executive in both public and private equity equity-owned specialty chemical companies. His new book, Buy and Build CEO, Leveraging Private Equity to Build a Winning Global Business, is on Amazon. Now, starting as a shipping clerk, he rose for the ranks and became president and CEO of Products and Research and Chemical Corporation, PRC, a global leader in aircraft and construction sealments and coatings. He's an investor and has served as the director of four private equity-backed specialty chemical companies. Today, Ted's a partner at Path Capital, a private equity firm that focuses on specialty industrial, industrial investments, partnering with business managers on acquisitions and the buy and build growth strategies. So welcome to the show, Ted. Thanks, Kimberly. Great to be with you. Yeah. So let's just to kind of start with a simple question. What, what drove you to write, write this book? Uh, yeah, a, a couple things. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I'd been working with private equity. I started uh, over 20 years ago, and I think there was, you know, just nearly 2,000 private equity firms. Um, you know, 20 years later, it's a it's a much much larger business with uh, multiple of that, or you know, kind of 2,000 uh, firms uh, operating around the world. 
um, and it and it's and it's an asset class that um, that uh, that's a little bit uh, I won't say misunderstood. It's it, it's 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 not well understood, um, mm-hmm. particularly by operators of of companies. You know, people that are working in public companies or maybe people working in private companies. Um, you know, don't don't seem to know a lot about it. I um, I've spent the last four years with uh, with a public company as a chief operating officer and and uh, found that the executives there, you know, by and large, just love to talk about private equity. What what's it about? How how does it affect? You know, what can you do with it as an operator? So I wrote the book from an operator's point of view and um, mm-hmm. with the idea that you know uh, private equity is you know like everything else, it's an opportunity. To, uh, to 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 leverage equity along with your own to create a winning uh, winning global business. Uh, and you know you're right. I mean, it, it, there is a lot of myths around it. It'll kind of you know smoke and mirrors. But um, before we get into the private equity, I, I you know the name of your book is um, Buy and Build. Okay, and I and I want to want to focus for a minute on just kind of the building. Okay. Um, so you've you've grown firms, okay? You've built firms, and um, a lot of companies, even from the start or even the smaller phases, they you know in startups there's a ninety percent failure rate, okay? Um, what when you when you've witnessed and what you've seen a CEO, what what happens, okay? You know where is this crucial point in a building phase where uh, a, a company might just not get it right? Yeah, I think um, I th- I think probably the key thing when when people are you know let's say starting from scratch right so you're you know you you've decided to start your own business I mean the first thing you need to do obviously is determine what that business is going to be and what you're going to sell and what you're going to make <laughs> um, but I think people often underestimate the uh, the you know sort of the the, the underlying um, uh, financing of the business you know how to get the balance sheet set up so that. You know, you give yourself some room to make a few mistakes, and uh, and 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 during the development of the business, because you know these things never go exactly the way <laughs> that you have planned. Um, and I think you know, again, starting from scratch, I think the reason that the you know the failure rate is so high is because you know businesses tend to be kind of undercapitalized when when people start. So that plus you know sometimes. You know the the actual thesis of the business doesn't really meet the market requirements and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think I think more when I talk to people, you know, their biggest issue is always, well, you know, how do I get, you know, how do I get, uh, you know, the cash that I need to, you know, st- stand up a business and uh, and then develop it um, as you go. And you know, you know, this is. Just as important in a fast, you know, in a fast growing business, probably even more important than in a business that, uh, you know, you're trying to grow and it's kind of a slow, steady pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when 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 do I decide that? So I, you know, I'm building this business, and we know, you know, the market perspective. Some people get it wrong. There are critical uh, phases around um, along the journey. You know, when do I decide it's the right time? to really talk to a private equity um, partner um, or do I, should I do that from the beginning? I mean, how, how do they know that? Yeah. Well, well first of all, first of all, private equity firms uh, tend to invest in companies with, with um, historical cash flow, right? So, so it's a different sort of uh, it's, it's, they're different than VCs in the sense that a VC mm-hmm. might, might back an idea and, you know, provide, you know, provide, provide cash and and be prepared to um, you know just burn through that cash for two or three years right. before any any cash flow where a private equity firm is going to look for a company that has sort of consistent cash flows and they're going to yeah. determine from that um, you know is there is there a good you know is there a, th- a theme or a strategy that you can kind of use your own cash flow um, to uh, you know, to set up to set up a balance sheet that'll help that'll help a company grow with an injection of new kind of new equity. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a really important point because I think we we kind of know what we're talking about here. You're right. The VC is more uh, towards the startup and and um, you know how many turn out like one out of ten or something. I don't know, but you know, in private equity. So so 
when does a private private equity firm step in, okay? Or when do I go to them? Because I've got, I've got this cash flow, and is there a certain phase or time when I really should start to seek them out? Uh, yeah, I, well, you know, we normally see a couple of things, right? So one would be, you know, when an entrepreneur has grown the business to a certain size and, and kind of recognizes that all his wealth is kind of, you know, dependent upon that business, every, every everything in his in his uh, his future is uh, tied to the value of his existing business. And many times, people want to diversify their wealth a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and private equity can be a good choice because, you know, what happens with companies that you know they get a little conservative because they're, you know, they're trying to you know sort of preserve their cash flows and. Uh, you know, make sure that they're ready for a rainy day and all that cut, kind of stuff. But that can also keep them from leveraging their balance sheet and really driving growth. And I think the way, the reason companies really sort of plateau is because they, um, you know, they sort of get to the point where they stop sort of taking taking um, uh, risk relative to uh, leveraging their balance sheet a little bit, borrowing money mm-hmm. and going out and buying other companies or investing in, you know, new sales systems or new production equipment, et cetera. And that's where private equity uh, firms uh, can be really helpful. Uh, you know, people can stay on to run their businesses, but they can take a lot of uh, cash off the table, diversify their own personal wealth. Um, and then, you know, over the three to five year period, uh, you know, create a lot of additional wealth for themselves, partnering with a private equity group. Mm-hmm. And, um so, you know, when you've made that decision, you go through it, you have to go into the negotiation or the discussion phase. And um, I mean, we all know the pitch phase with startups and VCs. Um, what's probably the most critical thing in this phase as you start into the discussion with the private equity? Yeah, you know, well, I think the thing is you, you, you should have a you, you should be prepared to talk about why uh, your business would be a good investment um, for a private equity company and what you could do with your business, right? So you may not have you may not have been willing to do it with your own cash, but but mm-hmm. in, in envisioning you know what this business could be, you know you could grow either you know geographically or 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 maybe you could go out and buy additional technologies. You know you tend to have people that are in these businesses that become kind of purist industry people, so they understand their their markets really well and they understand the products and the requirements. Um, uh, but they really, you know, need a little catalyst to, to, uh, you know, to, to, to go out and invest in those to, to grow the, to grow the business. Um, and so having a good thesis, um, you know, um, being able to talk about, you know, organic and inorganic growth and, 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 and how, how, you know, how this, uh, platform, if you will, could, could be something different than it is today with additional uh, with additional investments, you know, uh, by private equity. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. That that was a very interesting statement because they probably, you know, they're usually very industry focused. They know their products, and and m- many times they kind of just need like to have the fire set under the stool because you know it is hard if you're sitting there and all your wealth is is rolled up in that one business to say you know should i save it or should i invest and grow um so ted we're gonna we're gonna take a short break and when we come back i i want to talk about um acquisitions okay and um you know, uh, there's the there's you know the growth, the organic growth is acquisitions, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about how private equity can play a role in that. And for our listeners today, we are talking with Theodore Clark, and he's a businessman, entrepreneur, and investor with over 40 years experience as a senior executive in both public and private equity-owned specialty chemical companies. He's got a new book on the market, great book called Buy and Build CEO: Leveraging Private Equity to Build a winning global business. Now, uh, Ted started as a a shipping clerk and rose through the ranks, so he certainly knows um, the whole business, and he became president and CEO of Products and Research and Chemical Corporation, PCR, a global leader in aircraft and construction sealants and coatings. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Ted as an author, it's under www.tedclarkauthor.com. And he is on Twitter under Ted Clark Author, 
and on LinkedIn under Theodore-Clark. So please reach out to him, and the book is on Amazon. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, do market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. And they also have a learning series every Thursday, 1700 CET, and they also have this podcast. And they also have com- um, live conferences. And the next conference is the 21st to 23rd in Berlin and next year. So if you'd like to learn a little bit more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org. And you can also check out there their e-learning platform in cooperation with Boss Capital for startups, product managers, and SMBs. Uh, platform that helps people learn how to develop products and launch them to market. So www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about uh, growing businesses and how private equity can help do that and some of the ways businesses can obtain growth through um, acquisitions, mergers, private equity, and more. And our guest today is Theodore Clark, and he's a businessman, entrepreneur, and investor with over 40 years' experience as a senior executive in both public and private equity specialty 
owned chemical companies. And he's also an author. And he has a new book on the market called Buy and Build CEO, Leveraging Private Equity to Build a Winning Global Business. And it's available on Amazon and a super read. So, Ted, before the before the pause, we just kind of took a took a look at the landscape um, you know, of private equity. And I, I want to talk about acquisitions, but you know, before I get into that, I think I'd like to to stay on this a little bit longer. Okay, um, so let's assume that you know you've you've established this company, you've now got backing, and you know you're, you're going to go into a growth phase, and you're going to have to get people on board. Okay, so you know how do you in this phase in the organization say? You know, come on, guys. You know, we're now going to grow. Um, you know, how do you get people kind of interested in that and really get them on the train? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, well, uh, what what I always recommend is, you know, you you know, to be a you know to be a leader in this kind of business where where it's you know it's um, lots of change, um, lots of uncertainty. Uh, you know, in terms of w- what you're trying to accomplish, um, you need to start out with a really, with a really clear vision of where you want to go, right? And then you, you need to set kind of, you know, uh, aspirational but you know, achievable goals for the business. Um, and then, really, you have to, you have to really sit down with with people. And it's really important when you're doing buy and build that you're, you're actually. Um, attracting talent that's capable of running a larger business when the business is still small, right? So it's it's not the easiest thing to do, right? So you might be recruiting somebody from a Fortune 500 company to come and join you at a company doing, you know, 30, 40 million dollars in sales with the idea that you want to build it up to three or 400 million in, in revenue over, you know, two or three years through uh, both organic and inorganic growth. Uh, and so you have to really you have to have a compelling. You have to really have a compelling story. I mean, I think that's the key uh, to it. Um, and then, of course, you know, with private equity, there's you know, there's the benefits of of uh, you know being able to invest alongside the other investors, and uh, you know, having sweat equity that's available, um, uh, you know, to the executive. So, you know, it's um, this is th- this is the whole point of. Um, you know the the book itself is 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 sort of talking mm-hmm. about that with people that aren't you know that that live in kind of a public company where you know it's a, a little bit safer and 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 a little less risky than than you know than than sort of really jumping into something that's uh, kind of entrepreneurial and aspirational. Mm-hmm. And as CEO, did you ever, you know, I want to talk about, you know, um, the, sweat, the sweat equity and getting people on board and incentive plans in a minute, but just just in the whole vision, okay? You know, you made this change and you have, many of these organizations are pretty good size. Um, do you have any special way that you make sure that that vision is cascaded down and it's communicated correctly because that's where a lot of the hiccups happen is when you know you have the vision at the top but it really doesn't get down to the last person in the engine room um what's your comments on that yeah well i think i think that's a that's a critical point and um and it was something that uh, that i've always you know uh you know, pretty much naturally done because I, I started right at the bottom. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I was sort of understood, you know, uh, geez, I wonder what they're doing or why they were making this decision or that decision. And so I think the, the you know, this whole communication piece of this is extremely important and being transparent, you know, when you're doing well or or, or when you're not, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think as this gets back to this whole idea of trust and you know, uh, I, I probably should have mentioned that a little bit earlier because that's that's one of the key things is, you know, if you're going to be recruiting people into the company, um, you know, you you want to you, you want to trust them to do the job that you've hired them to do, right? So, you know, many entrepreneurs are you know you know can, you know, starting from scratch can be a little bit uh, controlling in terms of you know how they run their business and uh, this whole idea of creating a vision. A strategy, a set of tactics, but you know, allowing people to, 
you know, to uh, execute and to, um, you know, to be to feel like they're really a full part of the of the overall vision and is part of the team is like really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's where that, you're right, that cascade of vision. And um, I, I think it does help a lot when you start, you know, you kind of climb your way up the ladder and you, you tend to never forget the person that's, you know, you know, pushing the broom downstairs. You know, that's really important. Um, you know, you're attracting the talent. Okay. So you're going out, you're attracting talent. How important are incentive plans, um, monetary incentive plans and other incentive plans when attracting that talent? Yeah. You know, they're important, right? Cause you know, you, you if, if you're going to be bringing people into a company that you're going to, you know, sort of build, you know, through a series of acquisitions, um, you know, everybody's going to be busy and working hard and dealing with change all the time, right? So, you know, having the and then and then you know, private equity has an exit plan too, right? So there's some point you're going to exit the investment, and so the monetary, um, you know, incentives are, are are really important, right? Because what you're really trying to do is get a team together to to essentially change their lives, right? To 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 in in effect have the opportunity to make kind of life changing. Uh, money as a result of you know their their portion mm-hmm. of the uh, sweat equity and whatever they've invested you know directly into the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so let, let's go on to that exit. Okay, so you've got this team together. This team um, is dealing with constant change to to kind of remold the business, and then you've you've achieved your goals at some point, and you're looking at an exit. Okay, so. Is are things such as management buyouts with these teams are are they still prevalent in in private equity or is that kind of uh, something of the past and um, what kind of exits have you seen and what do you think works the best? Yeah, um, yeah. So just one one technical point uh, that I think would be helpful for the for the listeners is that uh, you know private equity, you know when when private equity invests in your company, they invest as you know control investors, so they're Mm-hmm. They're, you know, 90% of the time or more, they're going to have more than 50% of the ownership of the company. Um, and, th- and the reason they do that is because they want to be able to decide when they need to sell the company, right? Because they're, right. You know, they, have, they have their own investors and, you know, their money has been patient for, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, and so they're looking for a return. Um, and so, so what I've always done with with the teams is, you know, make sure they understand that up front, right? Um, and then, um, and and then when you get to the sale, um, you know, the management team has some influence in uh, in the in the process. Obviously, uh, you know, the, uh, the private equity firm is going to want to support the the management team, but they are looking for you know the best return for for the uh, for the company, and so it's likely you're going to be sold in a in a process of some kind, you know, and uh, and, and they're going to look at all kinds of different people that might want to invest in the company, either strategic companies, you know, public, but maybe a public company that might want to buy your buy your company um, or to another private equity firm and what they call a, um, a secondary uh, recapitalization. Um, and so in my case, you know, we recapitalized three times with three different private equity companies. So. You don't have total control over the exit, but you have uh, you have influence, right? So this is the the CEO's job is to you know create as much influence as possible with the private equity firm uh, through good performance and you know creating lots of value, and uh, and and if you do that, you're gonna have you're gonna have some say in in uh, in the ultimate um, you know who the ultimate buyer is gonna be. You know, on the other hand, if that's not the case, then you know you're probably not right. So. It's all um, part of the uh, kind of risk reward of, of 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 working with private equity. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a good question. I liked what you said about um, you know sitting the teams down and 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 uh, making sure they understand. Okay, because you know if you're if they've never been through this again, um, it looks you know this looks like a great opportunity is a great opportunity, um, but how do you keep them? you know, in the reality, in the, in the you know, not just, oper- you know, doing the operations, but also keep that vision and that, 
you know, I, I don't want to say carrot at the end of the stick, but you, you, it's kind of that's what it is too. Also, yeah. you know, um, how do you keep them uh, as a as a consolidated team with a, a one um, goal for the end? How do you keep them together? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's. You know, that's I mean, it's a challenge in any in any business, really. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe maybe a little bit more in private equity, given the, you know, the dynamics of it. But but again, I, I think I think the key is is communication and um, and and, you know, for instance, in my companies, uh, you know, we our board meetings would always include the entire executive team um, along with a private equity firm. Right. So. So not, you know, being as transparent as you possibly can, again, about, you know, the good things you're doing, but also, you know, the things that you're not doing well and you need to do better. Um, and then really working to get, you know, that that sort of esprit de corps built around the idea that, you know, we're looking, we're, you know, we've got, you know, this opportunity to set ourselves apart from our best competition and, you know, these are the things we need to do. And, you know, we need to get, you know, operations that work with sales and marketing and R&D mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, which, you know, is, you know, is a challenge in any is, is a challenge really <laughs> in any business. But uh, but but probably a little bit more so in private in private in private equity backed companies. Yeah. I, I mean, it's connecting those bridges between the silos, isn't it? So, yes, I mean, exactly. really. Uh, and um, and. When you when we get to, when you get to this, you know, either it's recapitalization or an exit, and or you're acquired or whatever, um, you know, how do you keep? Obviously, every private equity is going to want to get the best valuation they can. Um, how do you keep the team with their feet on the floor and the reality there? Is this communication also and just constant? They sh- there shouldn't be any surprises at the end if everything's going, if everything's transparent on the way. Yeah, yes, I think so. And, and, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, to sell one of these businesses, you need the entire team involved in, mm-hmm. in, in this because, you know, when you get to the process of selling it, you know, you pull together, a, you know, a confidential information memorandum. So, you know, your CFO is heavily involved, the marketing and sales operations, et cetera. And you kind of build out, build that out as a team. Um, and hopefully you're, you're really building it out based on, you know, sort of your you know, your business plan and strategy that you've, you know, that you've had and you've been pursuing. And then, you know, to make a company credible during the sale, you know, it's not just the CEO that's going to be talking with the prospective buyers. It's the mm. entire team, you know, they'll go visit, you know, plant sites and, you know, um, and, you know, I, I usually do, by the way, I would usually let, um, let, let most of the company know at the appropriate time that, you know, we were in a process, right? So that people, mm-hmm didn't, you know, wouldn't be surprised at the end, you know, that all of a sudden there was an announcement and things, things have all changed. So it's tricky, but, 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 you know, again, uh, I've, I've found that transparency is your kind of your friend in most of these Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Okay. Ted, we're going to take a short break and then, um, when we get back, I'm going to finally come to my question on acquisitions, okay? So um, uh, for our audience, uh, we are today talking about private equity, mergers, acquisitions, business growth, and and how companies can be successful when doing this. And our guest today is Theodore Clark, and he's a businessman, entrepreneur, and investor with over 40 years of experience as a senior executive in both public and private equity own specialty chemical companies, and he's wrote written a new book. It's called Buy and Build CEO, Leveraging Private Equity to Build a Winning Global Businesses. It's available on Amazon. And if you'd like to read a little bit more about Ted Clark as the author, he is under www.tedclarkauthor.com, and he is also on Twitter under Ted Clark Author. And on LinkedIn, he is available under Theodore-Clark. So please reach out to him. And as I said, you can find his book on Amazon, a very good, interesting read. And uh, anyone who's thinking about expanding uh, private equity, uh, CEOs listening, you should definitely pick this book up and read it. 
And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing digital marketing and local search associations. They hold trainings, conferences, do market research, do legislative white papers focused on digital. They also have an e-learning platform in cooperation with Boss Capital Partners for startups, product managers, and SMBs, a platform that helps people succeed. Uh, they have live conferences, and the next conference is May 21st to 23rd in Berlin, Germany. So please look up Cinda under www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Tune in each week for the Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to The Labenthal Report live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about business growth. We're talking about business expansion through private equity, um, and, uh, you know, investments. And we're talking with an expert in this area. We're talking with Theodore Clark, a businessman, entrepreneur, and investor with over 40 years experience as a senior executive in both public and private equity-owned specialty chemical companies. He's also an author of a new book. It's called The Buy and Build CEO, Levering Private Equity to Build a Winning Global Business. And um, what's great about Ted is he, he started as a shipping clerk and rose up through the ranks to become president and CEO of Products Research and Chemical Corporation, PRC, a global leader in aircraft and constructive sealants and coatings. And so, Ted, we've we've been covering quite a lot of um, space on, on, you know, operations when you get the equity, how do you keep the team in there? So I, I want to talk about acquisitions. Okay. So you've got this equity now and maybe you're, you know, you're not just going to invest in technology. You want to acquire a company. Okay. Um, and that might be your way to growth. So acquisitions happen for many reasons. I mean, what, what, what's the strongest argument for um, acquisition? Yeah, well, typically, I mean, I think you have to think about acquisitions in the context of your industry 
uh, and your own, you know, your own business strategy, right? So, um, you know, and, 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 you know, sometimes you have to think about um, what it is you're trying to build. I, I think that's the, the foundation piece, right? So, you know, you, you know, maybe, maybe you've decided, you know, you, in your industry, um, you know, you want to be in certain market segments, like maybe automotive or, you know, uh, appliance or, you know, construction or whatever it might be. And I think it's always good to sort of list those on, on one axis of a piece of paper. And then, then on another axis, you want to think about like, what do I need to be successful? Maybe it's, you know, certain technologies or products or services. And then I think the third axis is about like, when, where do you want to do this? You know, do you, you know, is this going to be just a North American business? Is it going to be just a European business? Are you really trying to develop a global business because, you know, being global can help you leverage growth, right? So all of these things are, in my mind, leading to the idea that you, you know, you want to grow both organically and inorganically over a period of time to really create, you know, value for your investors and create value for your customers, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the first step. And then, and then, you know, um, uh, Part of what makes you know you also you have to look at your industry and see how how kind of how fragmented is it. In other words, how many acquisition targets are there? Um, and then and then it's always good to really you know list those targets out and determine you know how many how of those three axes I talked about you know how how what do they touch? Do they touch one, two, or three of those act uh, those uh, points? Um, and then you narrow down that list again. You kind of funnel things, um, and then you know my p- part of what uh, what 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 I'd like to do is actually run the M and A process where we're proactive, visiting potential acquisition targets, whether they're for sale or not. Right. So you know, getting mm-hmm. in front of people, explaining again this whole thing about being transparent and explaining. Look at my strategy is to you know, consolidate this portion of this industry for this reason. And I think you'd be a good candidate to be to work with, you know, myself and my team on doing that, right? Your business would fit well uh, to try and identify, you know, try and get the pieces that you need to fill in, fill in that matrix that I just discussed. Um, It's really important, right? Because, you you know, you you know, acquisitions are like, sort of the hardest thing to do in the sense that, Mm. They're not that hard to buy, but they're hard to integrate, right? So to get right. to to get all these things to work in the way you've envisioned in your strategy is really the trick, right? It's that you know an integration is sort of ninety percent of the of the um, uh, of the reason you're either going to be successful or not successful. Yeah, <laughs> you can get to go either way. Yeah. And, and I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you know, obviously we're doing this for business reasons. It fits in the strategy, maybe market consolidation, maybe supply chain, tightening, whatever. But then you're right. It comes down to integration. And integration is not just about processes, but people. So how, I mean, how do you look at the cultural fit? How important in the management team? How important is that to you when you're doing an acquisition? Yeah, it's like really important. Um and then again, that's why, you know, the the kind of proactive, you know, meeting with people, talking with them, you know, you know, I've done many acquisitions where, you know, it's been five years from the initial discussion with somebody to when the acquisition actually happens, right? So, and culture, you know, the integ- integration typically gets, gets, gets off the rails when the two cultures don't line up very well. Mm-hmm. So you might be, let's assume you're, you know, you're, you're, you're in a company that I've described, which is transparent and open and, you know, has a, has a clear vision and you're buying a company that's kind of autocratic and, you know, people didn't get to make decisions and all that, you know, you have to really take that into consideration. Um, doesn't necessarily mean you won't acquire the company, but, but you're going to have to think about the integration differently. It may take a little bit longer, certain portions of it. You might want to hold it, hold it aside as a separate, you know, as a separate entity for a while until you can, you know, kind of build up that culture so that you can integrate it better with with the you know with the platform company. So you know, it's, you know, these things are like like really important, and I think each each integration has to be designed for that specific set of circumstances, rather than just kind of a you know many companies have kind of a playbook. 
and they run their playbook, right? And that, I think that's where you get into trouble if you're just mm-hmm. too literal about what you're trying to do and you're not sort of sort of customizing your integration to make sure that you don't lose the things that you've paid a lot of money for um, and, uh, uh, and, 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 and kind of derail the whole kind of thesis about the integration from the very beginning, right? So mm-hmm. particularly in the private equity setting, because mm-hmm. you know the, the, you're not going to get to do the next acquisition unless the first one's you know reasonably successful, successful. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know, exactly yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah no I mean it makes a lot of sense and um, you know this this the the integration and the cultural you know the, I mean you're dealing with a lot of change and there's a lot of moving parts and so um, I, I do agree that's it's really important so Ted I want to I want to kind of come to today okay so um you know we've been through uh, crazy times two years um it's 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 still you know one crisis after another first the pandemic now the war in ukraine the supply chain breaking down um you know gas gas supply um wheat supply here in europe um you know everything's kind of mixed up so what what kind of effect are you seeing today just in the general um, private equity sector, whether it comes to mergers and acquisitions or, you know, are, are, are things more conservative? Are, is there more consolidation going on? Now, I know you work in the chemical sector, but just in general as CEO and um, an advisor on different private equity boards, what are you seeing? Yeah, um, well, really two things. It's a very interesting time because, um, you know, I mean, if you think about inflation, um, you know, it's, it's, it's normally too much, too much, too much cash chasing, you know, fewer goods, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you're kind of seeing that a little bit in the M&A market because uh, private equity firms have a lot of, you know, what they'd call dry powder, right? There's a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of money that they're committed to invest um, uh, you're also seeing, you know, uh, uh, public companies that are trying to find, you know, opportunities to continue to grow and M&A is a good, a good plan. You know, the difference is, is that you, you can't borrow as, as you can't leverage, um, the companies up as much as you could before, um, you know, before sort of 2019, um, and the debt's obviously more expensive, uh, that said, um, the valuations seem to still be pretty solid for good companies. So, you know, a good company that has potential, um, you know, people are going to are going to are going to uh, compete for that company, but they're likely having to put more equity in and mm-hmm. they're going to not leverage the company as much as they would have, you know, prior to 2019. And part of that is, is sort of hedging the bet, right? Is it, are we going to move mm-hmm. into, a, into a recession? And if we if we do, if you're not over levered, you have a much better chance of weathering that storm coming out in reasonably good shape. And then and then hopefully, you know, re, recapitalize or, you know, refinancing at lower rates and, you know, um, being able to put more, more, um, more uh, leverage on the balance sheet. Um, so I would call it a, it's a, it's a, it's an, int- it's a very interesting time. Um, <laughs> Uh, right now, um, uh, and and I and I think you know it is going to probably slow down a little bit. I think probably only companies that are, you know, are, are primarily companies that are are are, are very solid are going to come out into the market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not 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 a great time for poorly performing companies to come out into the market. Um, you know, and which is you know again, private equity really tries to buy. You know, they're not turn. You know, typically don't do turnarounds. They're really looking for companies that are, you know, good companies that they can grow, um, uh, rather than companies that they can just kind of buy and you know turn around. Mm-hmm. And just, just uh, yeah, that may. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And and you know, I sit in Europe. We're seeing things slow down a little bit. And you're right. Um, you know, the sustain. I think it's the sustainability of the company that that most of the private equity are looking here. You know, can can they grow it and sustain it? Um, but we're we're getting towards the end of the the show, Ted. So I just, um, you know, we got a lot of executives out there, and um, a lot who who ha- are with companies owned by private equity, 
Um, we have a lot of venture capital people listening to us today. Um, you have a great book. Uh, question, you know, uh, why, you know, what can, I read the book. Um, there's a lot to learn there. I advise it. What would you like to say to the, to the audience that's listening to us today and maybe one or two words on your book? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think um, what, what I was trying to do in the book is, is kind of map out, you know, what, you know, how an operator who has a good idea can, you know, uh, find a, you know, find a private equity company first, um, you know, how to develop a thesis, uh, how to think about uh, the vision and strategy of the company that you want to build. Um, you know, all the th- things we've talked about earlier, you know, the management team, you know, how do you develop the management team? Um, and then, you know, the phases, right. These things all work in phases. Um, so I try to be very, um, kind of clear-eyed with people. It's not it's not necessarily an easy road, but it's very fulfilling if you have a good plan, a good strategy, and you're an expert in your industry. Um, and you and and you know how to and you know how to grow things within your industry. So mm-hmm. um, so that that's what I was that's that's really what I was, I was trying trying to get. I think it's a good read for you know mid-level to senior level people in companies really trying to understand like like how they can actualize their own vision, you know, using using a, using private equity as a catalyst. Mm-hmm. Great, and like I said, I read the book. It was it, it is a it has some really good insights. And um, Ted, you know, thank you so much for being with us today. And for our listeners, we've been talking to Theodore Clark. He's a businessman, entrepreneur, and investor with over forty years' experience as a senior executive in both public and private equity-owned specialty companies. And his book is called Buy and Build, CEO, Leverage Private Equity to Build a Winning Global Business. It is on Amazon. And what I really like about it is um, you you started as a shipping clerk. You really look into every corner. You know, it comes out, you know, your sensitivity to the whole organization comes out in the book, um, you know, rising through the ranks to become CEO and president of Products Research and Chemical Corporation. And Ted is also an investor serving on four private equity-backed specialty chemical companies. So, Ted, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure. It's my, my pleasure. Thank you very much, Kimberly. I really enjoyed it. Okay. And just to, to close for our listeners, if you want to reach out to Ted, you can go to his website under www.tedclarkauthor.com. He's also on Twitter under Ted Clark Author and on LinkedIn under Theodore.Clark-Clark. And you're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders, and I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Go to Cinda and check out their website, www.cinda.org. You can find all kinds of information on trainings, conferences, market research, legislative white papers that Cinda has filed in Brussels, as well as their live conferences. And also you can experience their e-learning platform, which is in cooperation with Boss Capital for startups, product managers, and SMBs. So please go to www.cinda.org and please listen to us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. specific time. And don't forget, if you happen to miss us, don't worry because we are all over the net. Just look for Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America Business Station and tune in to us. And with that, thank you very much and tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.